Good morning. How are you all? Great. Great. Um, my cousin about six weeks ago said, hey, Dan, guess what? You're my second favorite cousin. Aren't kids just amazing? They can pump you up and knock you straight back down in one sentence. So over the last six weeks, I've spent my time. I did a day trip to the snow with him. I came back yesterday, I did a day in the mountains with him, just trying to get that rank up. And yesterday, as I'm leaving, he announces to the rest of the family, hey, guess what, everyone? Dan is my second favorite cousin. All that time and nothing. All that time and nothing. Well, I heard a phrase this week. It says, and Andrew said something similar to this a few weeks ago. He said, um, and the phrase goes like this. It says, we live in a Genesis 3 world, born with a Genesis 1 blueprint, with a Revelation 21 future. We're born into a world that is Genesis 3. There is sin, there is brokenness, there is hurting in the world. But we were born with the blueprint, with the creation, with the image of God in us and upon us. Genesis 1. With a Revelation 21 future, heaven, where there is no more pain, where there is no brokenness, no sin, no hurting. And we're caught here in the middle, living in Genesis 3, but called to be a people with the image of God, Genesis 1. You know, I've been looking at this series, The Beatitudes. And I want to suggest that the Beatitudes are a value system. They're a value system of heaven. And as we live in this value system, it's to disrupt the Genesis 3 world that we live in. The way that we live out of, out of Genesis 1 with the image of God should disrupt the rest of the world. You know, I was finishing work the other day. Um, I work at a cafe just down the road in Glenhaven. I'd, I'd done ten and, a half, 10 and a half hours, pretty tired. That's where you all go, yeah, you're amazing, 10 and a half hours. And I'm taking the bins down to the rubbish, and we play this little game on each other at the end of the day when everyone's tired, where you get your phone out and you video, you hide behind a corner, and you scare them. And you catch the whole thing on camera. Anyway, someone did that to me at the end of the day. And what it did is it disrupted my, my head. It disrupted my mind. It disrupted my thoughts. And all of a sudden, I was aware for the next few hours where, like, are people around the corner. And that's what our value system should do. The way that we live out of Genesis 1 should do that to the rest of the world. It should disrupt the Genesis 3. It should disrupt the pain and the brokenness and the hurting and say, no, don't live that way. Don't go that way. You're not going to hell because there's a peace and there's a promise and there's a hope. Revelation 21. We're called to disrupt the trajectory that the rest of the planet is on. As we live out of our identity, Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to, re- to Genesis 3. Don't settle for what the rest of the world settles for. 
Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You know what lukewarm is? Lukewarm's the temperature of the rest of the planet. Lukewarm has no dominant no dominance about it. Lukewarm is where we just kind of become what everyone else is saying that we should become. You know, as Christians, we're not called to be lukewarm. We're not called to be chameleons. We're not called to just reflect the Genesis 3 world that we live in. But it says that we're set apart. Genesis 1. The image of God. You know, if you were to get a pot of water and put it on the boil, the temperature of the water is going to get hot. Well done. If you put that pot of boiling water in the fridge, what happens to the temperature of the water? Yeah, it goes cold. Well done. A little science lesson here. If I was to put that pot of boiling water in the fridge on an electric stovetop, what happens to the pot of boiling water? It stays hot. Well, you hope. Well, there's two, two cultures, two, two things opposing each other. There's the hot pot and there's the cold fridge. And that's the world that we live in. We live in a world where there are two cultures fighting against each other, light and darkness, war and peace. Genesis 1 and Genesis 3, a fallen world and a, and a healing and whole world. But here's the secret. The fridge isn't plugged in. The fridge has no power. But ask the pot of boiling water on the stove. It's plugged in. It's plugged into its purpose. It's plugged into its identity. We're plugged into the relationship that we were created for. And that's Him. So if you put a pot of boiling water on an electric stovetop in the fridge and the fridge isn't plugged in, what happens to the environment of the fridge? Over time, it's going to become hot, yeah? And that's what we're called to do. We're not called to be a thermometer, something that simply reflects the environment and the world that we find ourselves in, but we're called to be a thermostat. We're called to be people that walk into environments and that walk into families and homes and workplaces that change the environment. Not simply reflect it. So I want to ask you this morning, are you being a thermometer or are you a thermostat in your environment? Are we being chameleons where we kind of just blend in? Or are we truly living out of our identity, set apart? Whatever you cultivate dominates. You know, if you carry around with yourself a judgmental spirit, you know what happens? Other people that who want to be judgmental, they'll flock to you. They'll come to you. 
It's this natural thing that happens. If you get easily offended, you'll, you'll start finding yourself hanging around with people that are easily offended. Because what we cultivate in our own life dominates in the environment around us. But I want to suggest this morning that as a people that are set apart, that we're called to be a peace to the world. We're the people that are plugged in to God, plugged into heaven, plugged into hope, healing, and a future. And that's what the world needs. As we find that and live out of that, the world will come to us. So we're looking at Matthew 5 verse 9. This morning it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. You know, I believe peace is such a prophetic picture in our day and age. (laughs) Peace. I've got a friend that says when a phone goes off in a service, it's like an alarm that says God's about to say something. So let's go with that. Peace is a prophetic picture for our world. We live in a world that's Genesis 3, where there is tension and there is war. And God's calling us to to live in peace. And as we do that, it's, it's a signpost of Revelation 21. As Christians above our head, we should have this sign that says peace, peaceful presence. It's a signpost of future. It's a signpost of the kingdom of God. Because we live in a world that's at war, that's in chaos, that's in darkness, and it needs the one thing that we've got, the peace of God. You know, I only really read this one for the um, properly a few weeks ago. I always used to just assume that it said, blessed are the peacekeepers. But until I actually looked at the words, it actually doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. It says, blessed are the peacemakers. You know, anyone on the earth can be a peacekeeper. And to be honest, I'd kind of prefer if it said, blessed are the peacekeepers, because it's a lot easier to keep peace, right? To keep peace, all you have to do is you have to give up everything that you think, everything that you uh, believe in, and you kind of just say, oh, yeah, we'll just live in harmony because that's that's the, the most important thing, right? But that's not what it says. It doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. It says blessed are the peacemakers. And if you remember your first art class where you're given a blank canvas, And you're called to do something on that, to draw something on that, to make something there that wasn't there. That's what we're called to do. We're called to bring peace. We're called to make peace in environments and places and relationships where there was no peace. We're called to carry the Spirit of God with us and make peace that wasn't previously there. So what is peace? 
This word here used in Matthew 5 is the same word that Paul uses in Colossians 1.20 where it says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Peace is reconciliation. Peace is a bringing back together, a oneness, a wholeness, a freedom. And peace originated with God. I want to suggest to you this morning that peace isn't just a thing that's in and of itself, but peace is a supremely divine act. As we make peace and establish peace on the earth, we're simply echoing what our Father has done and what our Father wants us to do. That's why the second half of this beatitude says, for they will be called children of God. Because as we carry peace into places and families and relationships, it reveals the Father's heart. It reveals our identity as children, sons and daughters of God. Okay, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to flick to John chapter 8. I'll give you a second. We'll start at verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the, law, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. In this story, we find a world who's caught up in darkness, who's caught up in war, who's caught up in the tension of living in Genesis 3. But this is how Jesus establishes peace for this woman. Verse 6, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. So go now and leave your life of sin. I want to suggest that in making peace, it's never with the severity of a judge. It's never out of a judgmental spirit that you'll make peace. But it's always with the tender heart of God. It's always with the father heart, the tender heart, the humble heart of God, that peace is established.
It's never with the judgmental. It's never with the the right or wrong attitude. If you go into a situation trying to make peace with with an attitude that you're right and they're wrong, let me tell you, peace is going to be a lot harder to establish. You know, in establishing peace, God always has a higher perspective. So I want to encourage you, just simply ask him. Ask him what it is that he sees, what it is that he says about a person or a situation or an environment. Because it's so easy to live on our level and to get offended and to get caught up blaming, to get caught up looking and accusing. But God gets in the ground, a humble servant, He gets alongside the woman. He doesn't say, I'm right, they're all wrong. He's got a higher perspective. He's got Revelation 21's bird's eye view. Are we willing to submit to him and to see that? You know, I think when we think of peace, that we initially think of peace as peace with man. But I want to suggest that peace with God is a a much higher priority. Because when we first prioritize peace with God, the way we do peace with each other will look so different. You know, when we establish peace with God, that will mean that In some relationships, it'll mean that we get to a point where we say it's not okay to leave things the way that they are. Because I'm with Christ and in Christ, it'll mean that I walk into some relationships and some situations and go, no, enough is enough. God wants to do something here. Pete mentioned in one of his messages that each beatitude builds on the previous And I love that this one so beautifully follows on from last week. Blessed are the pure in heart. Because if peace is reconciliation, if peace is unity and peace is oneness and wholeness, let me tell you, you will never get to that if you don't first get to purity. If you don't first get to honesty, sincerity, having a heart-to-heart conversation, you will never get to peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, then blessed are the peacemakers. John Stott says this, openness and sincerity are essential ingredients to all true reconciliation. Peace is a costly treasure. You can never have unity without purity. You know, for each of us 
in our own lives, we all live with this inner conflict, with this inner turmoil. God wants to still that and bring peace in your life and in my life. Because you see, you can only create in an environment around you something that you cultivate in your own life. You can never lead people to a place that you're not willing to go yourself. You know, there's a beautiful parallel in the scripture between the peace of God and the spirit of God. If we go back to Noah's ark, what's the thing that that Noah releases from the ark? It's a dove. What's the international symbol of peace? A dove. What does the dove return to the ark with? An olive branch. What's the other international symbol of peace? You got it. Matthew 10 verse 12 says this, As you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest upon it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. You know, as we walk into environments and situations, just like Noah, we release the dove of peace. Is it going to settle? Is there an openness and a unity and a purity? And does it come back? Well, then we stay. You see, the Spirit of God is looking for places to rest upon. The Spirit of God is looking for places to make peace. Just like the dove, the Spirit of God has been sent out looking for that olive branch. to come back. Why don't we all stand? Romans 8 verse 5 says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You see, the Spirit of God is looking for people that will be a place of peace. The Spirit of God is looking for people that will be peacemakers. That will be people that will reconcile back to oneness. Reconcile back to himself. And he simply says, are you willing? Are you willing? Let me pray for us.
So, Father God, I thank you that you first established peace with us. God, I thank you that you still the Genesis 3 world that's inside of us. That through Jesus, you, you stop the world of sin and darkness inside of us so that we would carry your spirit of peace into the world. God, I just pray that you would release your peace upon us as a people. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. 